0: If there's one phrase that sums up the physical therapy profession, that phrase would be, it depends. Welcome to the Tales from the Planth podcast, where we will explore the notorious It Depends phrase through interesting and in depth interviews with physical therapists from all types of practice.
1: Join us for inspiration, laughs, and tips and tricks in starting and improving your clinical practice. Welcome Welcome to to Tales from from the the Planth podcast.
0: hello everyone and welcome back to tales from the plinth this week myself and liz interview eric meyer a 2016 gannon graduate who is currently working at an outpatient facility here in erie the theme of this week is adjustment so sit back and listen to eric talk about how he's had to adjust his work life his family life and even the way he's approached and talked to certain patients throughout his career hope you enjoy hello everybody today we have eric meyer with us eric say hey What's going on so Eric Eric is a graduate of Gannon from 2016 right Eric yes sir very good now Eric tell us a little bit um, since then what what your career has kind of been like
2: yeah so I started in Pittsburgh Um, my wife and I well girlfriend at the time she had a job down there so I I started my career down there Um, so our headquarters for Uh, I work for UPMC Centers for Rehab Services, and our headquarters is based out of McKeesport, PA. Um, So I had kind of the unique experience of starting, you know, in our company's headquarters. But I also floated to the whole East Pod, is what they would call it. So that was roughly 25 clinics, I think, that I would have been in. Um, So I did that for about a year. And then my wife and I decided that it was time to come home. Uh, So Erie is home for both of us. Our parents are here, and when we decided we wanted to settle down and have kids, we wanted to be close to family rather than on an island by ourselves two hours away. Um, Our closest friends were, you know, across Pittsburgh, which to us sounds like no big deal when we're in Erie, but in Pittsburgh, that's like an hour. So we were almost halfway home at that point. Sure. Yeah, so we we came home, uh, been working with the company still, so I just transferred within, Started in Harbor Creek, and now I'm working out of our kind of more central location on 26th and Brown Ave.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Yep. So you've been all over the board a little
2: bit. Yeah, same company, but yeah, I got, you know, kind of different taste of two big markets, Pittsburgh and Erie.
1: How's it been kind of transitioning between Pittsburgh and Erie or even between clinics as a floater?
2: Yeah, so it's tough. Um, I, I think the bigger... I think the bigger difficulty was the transition from Pittsburgh to Erie, because it's just different. I think in Pittsburgh, with it being like a Pittsburgh-based company, there's a little bit more support and a little bit more like prestige. Like doctors there are much more aggressive about pushing to send their patients to their like their therapists, whereas here we get a little bit more I feel like here's a paper, these are the list of locations, and you go to whichever one's most convenient, which I I understand, you know, for patients, you know, if it's two, two minutes from my house, I should go there. But our clinics are pretty well throughout the Erie area that it's not a far drive, I don't think, to get to any of them. Um, so I think that was a bigger challenge coming to Erie. And then also, I mean, Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, I guess there's a lot of Pitt students, so they they have a good uh, grasp of each other. Where you come here, uh, we have a decent amount of Gannon grads. But we have a, we have a pretty melt, good melting pot of you know therapists from different backgrounds. So you're learning from each other, but we're not kind of all on the same page yet. I think we're getting there. We've been doing um, like clinical competencies. We've been doing. Uh, at clinical skills meetings, trying to get everybody at least like the information. You can you know pick and choose how you want to treat, but the information's at least there. Because uh, everybody learns differently in PT school. You guys will have colleagues, and you, know, you both went to Gannon. If you guys work together, you understand you know the same way, whereas somebody else might not. So you're bringing them up to speed on some things, and they're you know dragging you along with others. So um, that's the difference, I guess, between the two you know, markets, and then different locations, I think it's, it's been interesting. In Erie, we have, like, we have a pretty big, like, refugee population, and so when I moved to Central City, uh, like, Center City Clinic, um, I've seen Arabic-speaking, you know, patients, Nepali-speaking patients, Russian, Ukrainian, Spanish, so... Uh, Harbor Creek, I got some of that, like a taste, but I mean, at least two a day, I think, are dealing with translators and, um, or if no translator, I guess family member, which is still a tougher translation. So it's, it's doing therapy the same way you would, but uh, slower and maybe more visual than verbal. So I guess that's a, that's a unique challenge in itself.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah, that's got to be pretty tough to navigate sometimes. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, and it probably takes getting quite a few patients like that under your belt before you really start to feel right. comfortable. And I remember, so a little background story for the listeners: um, I used to shadow Eric before I got into PT school. So he's kind of he's kind of like my original. You know, he took me under his wing a little bit. You know, and um, I do remember seeing him communicate with um, people that may need a translator. And I always thought it was really cool because he would ask them, like, personally, you know, what does this word mean? Or what what word means hurt in the language that you speak? And he would actually write it down on his computer, and he had, like, a real long-running list. And I just thought that was neat because okay. patients got to appreciate that. Have you ever had a patient kind of mention that to you? Like, you, oh, you really, like, you want to learn that? Or do they appreciate that?
2: Yeah, and it, it catches them by surprise because, like, you know, for a Nepali patient, if I start saying, like, a number or pain and Nepali there. They look at me like, Oh, you speak like Nepali. And I'm like, no, no. Like I just, I know the very surface of like what I need to, but it, it does help build patient rapport. I think it's the biggest thing. Like I get so much more appreciation for somebody if I just use one of their like words in their language. Um, so I think it, it goes a long way. So it, it's obviously worth it to me, like knowledge wise. Um, but also for, like, clinician-wise, it, it, it helps us buy-in a little bit. And, and along the same lines, uh, talking about challenge again, it's interesting, like, how different cultures manage pain. So, like, in Nepali, and, and I might be speaking out of line, but what I see is a lot of the family members that come as translators will, like, help them out of bed and, like, do a lot of, like, Rather than using an assistive device, they'll, like, give them their arm. So it's a very, like, you know, you help your elders culture. Where I think the, the more Russian individuals that I've seen, I'm starting to learn they're, um, they're, like, afraid of pain in a way. So, like, I guess it, I don't want to say that they think pain is, like, a sign of weakness, but it's, like, they don't want to... They don't want to feel it. I guess sure. So you can tell them sure. between like hurt and harm, you know, and you're not doing any you're not doing anything harmful to yourself if you have you know some pain, but getting them to understand that is a challenge. So anything that you can do, I guess, to, to get them on your team. So whether it's using you know uh, a word of their language to to do it, or you know just explain better you
0: know, their situation, it helps, so. That's powerful. That's really cool, all the tricks of the trade. So, Eric, I know you have, um, you have your McKenzie certification, now, remind me, I know you have the spine ones, you have the cervical and the lumbar spine ones, you also have the extremity ones now, too?
2: So the way it works is you take four classes, right, as a minimum, there's four classes, A, B, C, D, and E, So certain ones are, um, I think A is lumbar, B is cervical, and then C is advanced cervical and upper extremity, and D is advanced lumbar and lower extremity. I know they changed them a little bit, but at a minimum, you take those, right? So those are like four, two- or three-day weekend courses, right? So it's a big commitment and then you take a test and the test is you sit down and do a written portion and then you do like hands-on techniques on like the people that instruct the courses so you don't get like you don't get certified just one you get certified across the board. So like once you're certified you're considered like certified in mechanical diagnosis and therapy so then um that's basically like your entry level you know into the into the curriculum you can go as far as i think uh there's a diploma program next, and then there's uh, the ability to teach, I guess would be higher up, but uh, yeah, so I went through the certification, I think it was t- end of 2019, I believe, yeah, end of 2019, and then I, I've since taken Part E, which is Advanced Extremity, but there's, I mean, highly recommend it.
0: Okay, very cool. So... How's that kind of changed maybe the trajectory of your career? Have you seen that it's kind of maybe just helped you treat patients better? Or maybe has it helped you get more referrals or just maybe just change the way you kind of look at somebody that comes in with low back pain or neck
2: pain? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was in Pittsburgh and first starting out, you know, you're young, you just are like, I, I'm done with school. I just want to treat patients, you know, figure out where I'm going with this. I'm doing it. You know, I'm, I'm in Sport by myself most of the time with, you know, no guidance from, like, a senior therapist. There was another therapist, but we were kind of working opposite. She was also the regional director um, and the facility director, but, like, she had so much else on her plate that we were never really treating the same time. Um, so I didn't get the experience of having, like, a mentor early on, but I did have that experience of floating to different offices. So there was one office in my, you know, region that I would flip to, that these two guys were McKenzie certified and I'd watch them do stuff. And I was like, this just looks different. Like, this is, this isn't what I'm used to seeing. And like, I would look and I'd watch, but like I had my own patients to treat when I was covering. So I'm watching, I'd, you know, get glimpses and pieces. I maybe would try it in McKeesport, but I didn't understand it. And then I would go in and I'd float, you know, again, and I'd cover their patients, and I'm looking at their thing. I'm like, "Well, why are they only doing like three exercises? Like, I don't understand. Why are they doing 50 reps of the same exercise? I don't understand this." And like I said, it looked different to me. So I'm trying it, and I and I'm, you know, I'm not asking the right questions at all. I'm just trying to figure out like how to skate by for the day and covering all their patients and making it look like you know I wasn't there. Basically, <laughs> trying to make it a smooth, smooth day. But it looked different, and I'm you know, I'm doing it and I'm like, "Oh wow, this person's like saying their pain's getting less, but I don't understand why. So, you know, that's where it really sparked my interest in it. And so now I feel like I'm in that boat where kind of less is more. Like I, I build a foundation around the one exercise that I think is like, you know, targeting their, their classification. So if they're a derangement, we're looking at a repeated movement to try and move something back into place to get them to moving better. Having, you know, um, less ridiculous pain uh, increased power and then after that you know, we're building upon that so less is more early on is the way I think and then you build upon that as you restore function but I think it's changed my you know I used to think when I, when I was coming out of school the more creative the exercise I can get this patient to do the better they're doing well simple is, is better I
0: love it that's awesome, awesome.
1: Um, I know you said um, you just sat for your OCS exam too. Um, what maybe sparked your interest in that?
2: Uh, so we were talking a little bit before we got on, but you know you you find that uh, top performer, you know, somebody in your field that you want to chase. So for me, um, Ryan Brown is one that you know you guys should, should try and get him on the podcast too. Um, but like he had, you know, done the McKenzie and you know him and I could talk the language and and then he said hey you know you're you're in this elite elite group that has done that but like only x amount has done both right the OCS and the McKinsey so he he challenged me in that way uh, I think it's nice to be recognized by somebody else other than just your company and like your patients that you've you've done good work in orthopedics. I guess, I mean, you guess you could study it and not use it, but I think if you take the time to study the orthopedic material that they're gonna test you on, your knowledge just expands that much more. Uh, so I guess it was like a personal challenge and also like a career challenge, right? So you want it to be, you want it to be known that like, I'm, you know, one of the most knowledgeable in this subject area. It doesn't mean I'm the best therapist, but I'm, I'm knowledgeable in this subject area And this is a reason that you should come see me. So, uh, I did, I, I don't know that I wish I would have done a residency, but I did a lot of self-guided studying, which is tough. I did use MedBridge and they have, you know, they have their like OCS prep course, but it's not super streamlined. It's kind of, uh, I don't know. It's kind of choppy. I don't know how to really describe it. Um. But it's definitely, it's challenged me. And I definitely feel like I have a better understanding of where others are coming from when I see them doing something in clinic than I I would have just done repeated movements for. I'm like, okay, well I understand why they're, why they're strengthening that rather than just, you know, targeting a derangement a dysfunction, whatever it is.
0: So how was, um, obviously that's not, an easy thing to do. You're working full time. He, Eric was just telling us that he has 33 patients on his schedule for tomorrow in a 10 hour day. So you guys can do the math there. That's not much downtime. Um, right. so how were you kind of, how long did it take you, I guess, from the time you decided you were going to get your OCS and then how did you prepare for that? Was it evenings after work? Was it weekends? Was it a combination of both? And how long did it kind of take before you actually could sit for the exam?
2: Yeah, it was like, all downtime Ben. <laughs> All downtime. It seemed like. So I I hem hot about it. You know, Ryan pushed me, which was nice, but you know, I kinda had to make the decision for myself more than just like, you know, I'm not out here to make others happy. I want to make my personal career happy and my personal life too. So we have, you know, two young kids and, you know, that's that's a challenge in itself, being a you know, a dad and a full time physical therapist and trying to study was, was crazy. But Uh, I probably plugged away, I might have signed up in August, maybe, and then I don't know if you know how it goes, but you you, you do an application and then you don't find out for a little bit if you're, like, accepted to schedule the exam. So it's not like you just, hey, I want to do this, okay, schedule an exam, it's not like that, you have to apply, have met all their prerequisites in order to do so, so I think it was August, I decided I would apply. Maybe I got word in September, or something like that. And so, probably September and October is when I cracked down. So that gave me like five months of studying, I would say. So like, there's monographs that the APTA sets out. I think I read those through, highlighted as I went. That was kind of leisurely, studying. And then I'd say in December, I like cracked down. And I was probably doing at least an hour a day, if I could. Weekends more. Uh, My wife is my hero. Like, she'll just do whatever. Like, if I, and I told her before I signed up, I was like, I probably am going to need time to study um, during, you know, during the weekends. So, like, if you take the kids or, you know, just let me go upstairs for two hours. And she let me do all of that. So, uh, she was super supportive. Um, But yeah, it was, it was crazy. But I think it would have been crazier if I had two toddlers you know with our daughter she's only she'll be six months um so she's a little less mobile so i think with, with two toddlers with two toddlers i think it would have been crazier so waiting a year would have made a big difference in like my personal life
0: sure that's awesome yeah, sure. you got to give ali a reward yeah. yep best wife yeah, work, for sure yeah
2: oh yeah yeah she uh mother's Day's coming up i don't think there's there's a big enough gift. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
2: Yeah.
1: So, do you, how was it kind of adjusting your work life balance when kids came into the picture?
2: Yeah, it's tough. Um. So obviously not easy. Uh, right. That's just yeah. That's just a straightforward answer. Um, my son was extremely like he's extremely easy child. He's more difficult now. Just I think he's going through like the terrible twos a little bit. But uh, I mean, he was easy. He was very well on his schedule. So it was just getting getting a new schedule, I guess. So like we would we had moved to Erie. Um, we had a lot of big life, you know, events. It was like every year something would happen. But so like when he came, that was 2019. So yeah, I mean, I was I was at Harbor Creek. I was plugging away, you know, treating patients. I was trying to go through all the Mackenzie stuff. So, again, my wife, uh, she did a lot of extra, I think, you know. Mother of the Year award, again, was 2019. She already got that one. So, Um, I I think it was just how do you manage being dad, being... You know, husband, being a physical therapist, giving your patients the best care, giving your wife the most attention that you can, giving your son the most, like being there for everyone. Um, you're only one person. It's hard enough juggling, like you said, 33 patients tomorrow. How do you be there for all of them? We really can't, but you know, you have a PTA that helps out. Um, my wife obviously is there to help, but I didn't want to feel like I was, I was neglecting the family. So I guess it was a lot of notes when when Bennett was in bed, it was a lot of um, hey, I gotta leave right at this time in order to go pick Bennett up. So, it's just making your schedule different, making your um, career understand that you're, you got almost a second career, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, it's a lot of juggling. (laughs)
1: I'm sure.
2: Wouldn't wouldn't change it though, Liz. (laughs) Not for the world.
0: That's awesome, Eric. You're the man. Yeah. So we're gonna change gears a little. So up up till this point, it's basically been our theme today has been adjustment, which has been really sweet. But Eric, our the kind of the overarching theme of our show is kind of like, what is your defining moment as a physical therapist? Like, was there a certain moment where you were there in time, whether it was in school, whether it was while you were practicing, where you kind of sat back and said, you know what, this right here is like the reason that I wanted to become a physical therapist and why I enjoy doing it every
2: day. Yeah, I think there's... I think there's a couple moments that you have, you know, throughout your career. Like, you have a really good day, and then you have bad days, you know? Some days, like, I feel like, man, I can't get anybody better today. Other days, you feel like you're walking on water because patients are just getting better, like, right in front of your eyes. Like, you get those rapid responses, and you're like, this is easy, right? I could train anybody to do this, but... um I think more recently, what's been most rewarding and what's made me feel like, okay, I've, I've kind of made it, is when you see a doctor put your name on a script, you know, like this is who I want him seeing at, an, at a certain office. Because I'm in a big, you know, I'm in a decently big market and we have, you know, multiple therapy offices just for our company, but also there's a lot of competitors. So when you see a doctor referring and they put your name on it, you know, that's that's like, okay, you know, I. I need to perform well, not only for myself, but this doctor's kind of putting their neck out there for me too. So I think that was a big moment.
1: And then kind of on the flip side of that, what's one of the more challenging aspects of this career? Like what's maybe something that makes this physical therapy not so great on some days?
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of that too. Um, yeah. I think... Going back to, like, the work-family balance, it's tough in outpatient orthopedics. Uh, 33 patients doesn't mean that I'm done, you know, when I leave work. I have work to take home, usually. Uh, I can do some of it next day, but if I get too far behind on notes, it's not good for anybody. (laughs) Um, So there's a lot of that. I think, unfortunately, and this maybe is a bleak view on physical therapy in general, but... I think in general, we're kind of, I mean, we have doctorates, right? So, like, it's a big it's a big commitment on our part. But I don't know that the healthcare system has fully recognized how much work we put in. And that's tough. Like, you know, we, we have the ability to have direct access, but they only want to give us, you know, reimbursement for, you know, it, it's not great, right? So we don't get great reimbursement for what we do. We're not recognized as you know as well as we I think we should be for what we do. Um, Thirty three patients tomorrow. I mean, I'd like to think I give them all top quality care, but it's not a lot of one on one time with every patient. I try, but how do you manage that with you know you ha- you have to make it profitable? My company has to make money to keep the lights on. So how do you balance? Being busy and giving good quality care, I think that's tough. So I think I don't know. I think having us be more recognizable as, you know, top providers in physical or in healthcare in general would be would be great. And I don't think we we're at that level. Um, hopefully, with us getting you know doctorates and the more classes that come out, that changes. It's just slow to change. It's like you know that ship is you know, head way west, we need to steer back to the good side, the east side. So, yeah, I don't know how we do it, but I think that's a big, big challenge for me. Like, I don't like when, I don't like it when a, you know, a doctor, you know, doesn't let me do my job. I let them do theirs just fine, right? You don't, you don't step on anybody's toes, but, you know, we should be almost the musculoskeletal primary care physician and we're not, you know, you get hurt on the weekend. They almost encourage you to go see, you know, the urgent care, the PCP, whoever, before you come see us. Which I would like to see change. You know, you get that patient. And I've had a couple recently, and this is this is just kind of a sidebar. But you get that patient gets hurt at work, and they get an MRI or an X-ray right away, um, and it shows the of disc disease. Well, did they just get that getting hurt at work, or? have you had that you know and so I think if they came to us first the fear is less because they don't have a diagnosis of anything and we manage them the way we want to rather than kind of skate around this diagnosis that you know everybody's going to get at some point in their life if they live a good life
1: yeah because I know it can be scary for patients to see like all these things that are wrong with them on their imaging report
2: yeah and are they wrong or are they just normal right like Right, like they I have a, you, oh, sorry, did you go ahead, meet Eric. Scott. Did you meet Scott out of our office, Ben?
0: Oh. It sounds familiar, oh, I may have.
2: Yeah, so Scott Wozniak is a he's a brilliant physical therapist in our company and he's very much into like finding his uh quote, I guess, for lack of a better term. But like his way of describing the patients, you know, what's going on. So for that, I forget the fancy term that he uses, but He'll ask patients something about it, something dermatitis, like basically it's like wrinkles is like the the medical term for wrinkles, and he's like, have you ever heard of this? And he's like, well, you have it, and he's basically telling people they have wrinkles, right? But he's like, that's the same thing that they're telling you on an MRI with degenerative disc disease. You know, you have wrinkles on the inside. It's a normal thing. You know, it doesn't mean that's the cause of your pain, but. You know, it's it's gonna get worse. I can't fix that. Doing physical therapy, we just have to get you moving um, with less pain. I mean, so so I like that. But yeah, less is less. Knowledge is more for a patient to, to yeah. come to you because it's like the more diagnosis they have, Liz, it's like, what do you, what do you want me to do? I can't change your herniated disc. I can make you feel better. Yeah, of course I can do that, but I can't. You'll get re MRI in a year if you want to,
0: and it's still there. Maybe worse, but you feel better. That's a great point. I'm, I'm really interested in like the pain science um, kind of part of therapy, and I'm actually, one of my electives is gonna be in that. And I think it's just crazy how just an X-ray or an image or an MRI can just lead into that kind of fear avoidance, right? And then lead you down that path of, okay, well, if I move, I'm gonna hurt it worse. But then when I don't move, I'm just generally less healthy. Right. If I'm generally less healthy, that's gonna to lead to more and more and more health problems. Right. So it's almost like you said, how do we change how do we flip the perspective? Right? How do we kind of see this, you know, if we move beforehand, we can avoid some of these things down the road. Right? Or even if we change the way we look at it, which you've you've touched on a little bit, is don't don't focus so much on I have this diagnosis, so this is gonna be the outcome, right? but more of how do I manage, you know, I'm going to have this, you said the herniated disc, it's always going to be herniated, right? But how do I manage that? And how do I, how do you almost desensitize patients to understand that, you know, they can do things with this, even though they have a disc, because if you MRI my back or Liz's back or of the 50 kids in our class, a few of them probably have degenerative discs already, right? And we're in our 20s, but we don't have bad backs, right? Right, So it's kind of...
2: Incidental finding, right?
0: Right. So, and
2: it's not the cause of the pain,
0: right? Like typically, right. And we all understand that. Being, you know, people that are in healthcare are going to be in healthcare. How do we get the common folk to kind of get behind that? You know, I think that's a really interesting
1: question. Right. And preaching that movement is medicine, as the movement experts, you know. Right.
2: That's right. Yeah. So that's, again going back to the frustrations of our professions. We're not. We're not. We're not the first people that they're seeing. So, you know, multiple times people have said, "Well, you know, I'm going to listen to what a doctor says." Well, you know, we are doctors, but I, granted, a different type. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't sign up for the same amount of schooling that they did. But um, I'm I'm pretty well knowledgeable in my subject area, I think. So, it's tough. Got kind of to change the mentality of the the healthcare system, but also you know the public's opinion of a physical therapist. Is, it's a uh, you know, I
0: don't know how it's done, but I think I think you guys are on this on to something. For sure. Yeah. Alright, Eric, one more question for you. So All right. it's kind of a loaded one, but so if there is like one thing that you wish someone may have told you before you became a physical therapist, right? That you know now, that maybe you didn't know when you graduated school, what what would that one thing be?
2: So it, I think it's think it's like really figure out what you want to do with your career like do you want to be one of those like drivers that tries to like we were saying I mean some of the bigger picture things changing public you know public opinion on a physical therapist you want to be that or do you want to be somebody that just sees patients from you know seven thirty to 4 and goes home and has you know family life, like figure out what you want to do because there's so, there's so much that you can do with physical therapy. You know, you want to get into, we, we had to do, and I assume you guys have some, uh, like, healthcare systems and policy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So there's people that are doing that for us, you know, the people that are advocating for us. So is that something you want to do? You know, be more on the advocate side and, um, you know, get the physical therapy uh, word out there, I guess. You know, try and promote promote the occupation or do you want to you know do your best at treating patients or do you want to you know get paid and go home and have a family life you know so for me i think there's a shelf life on outpatient physical therapy just based on the, the the demand for hours but right now i love doing it and i wouldn't i wouldn't uh i wouldn't give up all the things that i've You know done training wise to just go do skilled nursing and be done at four just because that's what I would want to do for family I don't think there's a satisfaction in that but I think yeah I think that's it I think what do you want to do with your physical therapy degree and your you know your license
0: oh that's super helpful Yeah.
2: yeah deeper deeper than just treat patients right
0: Right, exactly. Right. But it's how does that
2: how does that fit into your goals for life?
0: Yeah, I like that you said it's kinda like, you know, it's up to you. You can do you can go as far as you want, right, with your career, but you might have to make some other sacrifices. You know, whether it's you don't get to go home at four every day. But if you're okay with, you know, treating patients and going home at four every day, that's that's all great too. Right. So just kind of figuring out what you really want. And I know just like personal note, like I'm having a like personally I'm having a very internal, big internal conflict right now about where where the heck do I want to treat? Meaning like do I want to stay in town where a lot of my family is or do I want to kind of branch out and see other, you know, other places other things. So that's something that I'm really going, going with right now and I really got to figure out what it is that I want.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like some of that is insurance driven, which again, full circle I think could be changed if we had a better um, like if our our roots were more deeply rooted with the healthcare, you know, system in general. I think people would look at us as more valuable, and we wouldn't have to look for the, you know, okay, where can I get the best job? In what part of the? No, I should be able to, you know, set my roots where I want to set my roots, not because of my job, my job, but you know, this is the community I want to serve. Yes, yeah, so that's that's tough, Ben. I don't envy you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm locked down here, though.
0: Oh, I'm gonna have plenty of questions for you in the next couple of years, so you don't get off that yeah. easy. You're gonna be that's helping good. me out I,
2: more. And I think going with that—that's if I could say like a part B of that answer. I think we talked about it a little bit, but like once you figure out what you want to do for the career, you, you find who's already doing it, who's like one of the top performers in that uh, in that goal of yours. So like if you want to be the best outpatient physical therapist, that's that's fine. Who is it right now, and try and catch up to them, and try and beat them. If you want to, you know, go be part of, you know, the the people that are advocating. We'll see what it takes to get into the state chapter. See what it takes to be part of the APTA, and you know, cha- you know, get feedback from that, you know, top performer, and then chase them and take their job, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Like, do everything you can. Look
0: to get out, the- Eric! I'm coming for you. Cool. A couple of years from now, better watch your back.
2: Yeah. No, Chasing the best. That pushes me. <laughs> that pushes me right, and ultimately it just better[s] our, our, uh, hopefully our delivery for physical therapy, and also right. public opinion of us.
0: Right, competition's not always a bad thing, right?
2: No, it it drives change. Makes us better. Yep.
0: No doubt. Well, Eric, dude, I gotta tell you, I can't, I can't tell you how much I appreciated this. This has been awesome. Yeah,
2: you guys are welcome. Yeah,
1: thank you, you so much.
2: Welcome. You're well, welcome, Liz. <laughs> you guys are great. We appreciate what you're doing. Well, thanks, Eric. That's That means a lot. Thanks for
1: leading the yeah. way for us.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, you know, I'm happy to help. I'm not leading the way. I'm just just trying to change it a
0: little bit, I hope. Like He's humble, too, folks. He's humble, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Just, laughs> all right. Well, Eric, good luck. Um, he'll be finding out here shortly whether he passed the OCS boards, which I'd, I'd put good money on that he would. So if that's on FanDuel or something, just go ahead and bet that right now. That's a lock so <laughs> all right eric thank you again and we'll see you later buddy
2: all right you guys are
0: welcome all right see Take ya. care well there you have it folks another episode of tales from the plinth come and gone as always we want to thank you for listening we really appreciate it and we also want to give a big thanks to eric for coming on this week and we look forward to seeing you guys again next week on tales from the plinth have a good day